was beautiful. Hello, everyone. So good to see y'all. Love you so much. We've been praying for you. We've been calling down heaven for you. Girls got here early, got off work to pray over every seat online, on the lawn, in the room. Also, we have watch parties that are cheering you on as well. North Dallas watch party. We have watch parties in San Antonio, Guatemala City, Antigua. Y'all, God is on the move with his girls. He loves each and every one of you. I love so very much. And we are just honored to host this night for each and every one of you. When we're planning and when we're praying, the way that we word it is this is God's love letter to his daughters because he adores you. He thinks you hung the moon, even the way that you walked in where you feel like, but if he only knew. We just need to know that this whole night is a reminder from heaven that we are with you, that he is with you, that you can cast your cares upon him because he cares, and his presence is here. Like, his presence is here. When we were singing Sound Mind, I was like, yes, save, deliver, heal, Jesus, watch over me. The team made me feel like I was a worship leader. I was like, a sound mind for a spirit of fear. But I'm, I, don't, I don't sing, except for, for fun, just like as a joke. But I'm not a singer at all. Before I jump in, I just want to shout out and honor my husband on the front row. Love you so much. His name is Earl. We have been married for 26 years, which is crazy. And he is still my best friend. And just your heart for God's daughters. I just am so thankful that you see no ceiling on my life, no ceiling on all the girls' lives. And then shout out my son in the front row. Love you, Parker. He's 18. We are so proud of him, and I have a little girl, Elle, who's here. She had to leave the room because sometimes, um, she's just funny, and <laughs> she's having a, her own watch party right now with her, her little best friend, Gemma. And then also, I just wanted to say I have another son. His name's Grayson. He's 12. He's at home holding it down because we have a new dog, you guys. We have a new dog. I never thought I would say those words. We're not technically like a dog family. Um, we haven't had a dog since we were newlyweds because my oldest son and I have really bad allergies. So dogs just don't really work for us. But I had been making jokes with Earl because our oldest son is about to go away to college and he's my best friend. And I was telling Earl I need an emotional support dog to just help me through these, you know, these streets. I just need a dog. But I was just kind of joking. And he walked in one day with the dog. So now we have a dog. And so Grayson is holding it down with our dog. But I have a word on my heart for each and every one of you. Be praying as I'm speaking because this night was set apart by heaven when we started this church almost 12 years ago, we just had a heart for girls to come together, to speak life over one another, to prophesy over each other, to pray for each other, not to compete, not to be catty, not to be gossipy, not to be judgmental, but just to say that you're celebrated and we know you're doing the best that you can. And I think we have the haze machine on it. Can we not have it? Because I don't want to, I want to get through my message without coughing. But here we go. The title of my talk tonight is Thirsty. Turn to the girl next to you and say, Thirsty. 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 
Some of you have heard that phrase. We see you girls on the lawn. I love you and I cannot wait to be out there with you. We're having a dance party on the lawn after. So we will be out there. And online, love you, love you, love you. But thirsty. So some of us know the phrase. Sometimes you'll see something and you'll go, oh, he's thirsty. <laughs> or she's thirsty. Or someone will write a random post and you'll go, whoo, that was kind of thirsty. <laughs> well, there is a woman in the Bible who was thirsty. And we're gonna learn from her story. I'm gonna peel back the layers of her life and we're gonna find ourselves in her story and we're gonna believe God that we may have walked in thirsty, may have walked in with a season of our life that feels like it's in a drought. Your kids could feel like they're in a drought. Your single life could feel like it's in a drought. Your marriage could feel like it's in a drought. Your business, your mindset. So whatever you're hungering and thirsting for tonight, we need you to know that Jesus is here and he wants to quench your thirst. You don't have to keep wandering in the desert anymore. You don't have to keep settling. You don't have to keep questioning the call of God upon your life. He wants to quench your thirst. And we're gonna learn from this amazing woman in scripture and we're gonna see her story and watch God write upon our hearts. Go with me to John 4, verses four through nine. Here we go, Jesus. Now he had to go through Samaria, verse five, so he came to a town in Samaria called Shikar. How do you pronounce that? Sychar, Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? So just to give you context of this moment, and we're just gonna camp out on these passages. Back then, women were not honored. There was no nights like this set apart for God's daughters. There was no respect for women when this was written. So already for Jesus to be having a conversation with this woman, was beautiful in and of itself because he values God's daughters. So the fact that he had conversation with her was a miracle. Other part that was a miracle, she was a Samaritan. And Samaritans were not liked by the Jews back then. They were basically hated, not respected, not loved, not liked. So for Jesus to take time, have this moment, have this conversation, have this encounter was supernatural. And I was doing some research just on what it was like to be a woman back then because I really have just gotten lost in her story. And it, I wrote down a couple just quick notes. First of all, like I said, Samaritans were hated by Jews. The law declared that Samaritan women were unclean. So if you touched something that a Samaritan woman touched, it was you were considered unclean. So the fact that he's there at the well having this conversation shows that his love and his grace and his mercy didn't care what culture thought. Something else that was interesting is men didn't speak to women back then um, unless it was their spouse or their relative. So the fact that he was having a conversation with a woman back then shows that he was saying, you know what, I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna lean in. So much gold as I was studying. Um, one other thing that I wrote down here was that um, even if you, it was unusual, like it was completely unusual to talk to a girl. Um, verse six says it was about noon. Normally, women didn't go to get water around noon. They went in the morning and they went in groups. 
But because this woman was walking through something, she went at a time when there was no one there because she was hiding. She was hiding behind her shame. She was hiding behind her guilt. So she didn't get water in community. She went by herself. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes when we're walking through shame, when we're walking through guilt, we walk through life by ourselves. When no one's, when we think no one can see us, and we just kind of like skip in and skip out, and that's what she was doing. But Jesus had another plan, and He has another plan for you. Normally, He wouldn't even have gone that route. He wouldn't even gone that route because people did not want to cross that area, so they would go the long way to avoid even going there. But Jesus went directly to that well because he knew that that woman was there because he had a plan and a purpose. And tonight, he is going directly to you because he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. Verse four, when they were talking at the well, she basically, she was so funny because she was sassy. And she kind of hid, I think, behind her, she was sarcastic, and she hid behind her sarcasm because they had like a dialogue, and basically she was like, why are you talking to me? Like, you're not even supposed to be talking to me. And they had this exchange, and they kept going back and forth. And it goes in verse 13 through 15. Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Verse 14, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, a welling up of eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw the water. Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep come, coming to draw the water. I started to think about the wells in our life. I started to think about the wells that we draw strength from. I started to think about the wells that we think are going to quench our thirst, but actually are a distraction. So many blessings that God has placed in our life, sometimes we put them in the forefront and we treat them as our only source. So God has blessed some of us with amazing family, like an amazing family, but sometimes we use our family as our only source of satisfaction when God doesn't just want your family to be your only source of that satisfaction because only he can satisfy your thirst. And some of us are putting undue pressure on our family or family members because we're thirsty. We're thirsty for something that only Jesus can quench and we're putting that pressure on our family. Same thing with our jobs. Some of you have your dream jobs or jobs that you thank God for that you prayed for and you finally got that job. But some of us are going to that well with our ladle with our tool, just thinking that our job is our only source, the only thing that's gonna quench our thirst. And we're giving all that authority and power to our job so that when things don't go right at our job, we feel like our life is over. Sometimes our well is everything we see happening in other people's life. Sometimes we draw from the well of social media, not for inspiration, because there's so many inspiring things on social media. It is actually a beautiful tool that can be used for so much good. And so many of you here use it for good. But also, if social media is your well that you perpetually just like draw from without context, you can find yourself depressed, you can find yourself anxious, and you can find yourself thirsty. And I think many of us are thirsty because we're pulling from the wrong well and pulling from the wrong source. All of these things are actually gifts. 
There are gifts that God has given us. Your community is a gift. Social media can be a gift. Your friendships, your job, your family. But when we go to that well with all of our expectations on that well, instead of our expectations on Jesus, we leave thirsty. And some of us are drinking too much of things that are giving us anxiety. We're just online too much, just like consuming, consuming, consuming. And then we get thirstier and thirstier and thirstier. Some of you are sliding into DMs, consuming, 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 getting thirstier and thirstier and thirstier. Spending time with guys that you probably shouldn't even be spending time with, but because you're thirsty, because you haven't let him quench your thirst, you're coming off a little too much. (laughs) You're just like a little too much. But if Jesus is your source, like, I like to say this to my single girls, keep it breezy. Just stay breezy. Don't share too much too soon. Be cute, have fun, be a little flirty, but don't come off just like too much. You don't have to tell your whole life story on the first date. You just don't. Just stay mysterious. Just like, you know, stay mysterious and just fun and just light. Don't come across thirsty. But when you get your source from the right well, you keep it breezy. Say keep it breezy. Yes. Because like I said, these are all good things, but they can't quench your thirst. I was talking to one of my really good friends, Dr. Ann, he's on the front row, I love you. She is amazing. Okay, she has her PhD in public health. So translation, she's a G. She's an amazing mom, an amazing wife, a doctor, a leader, a lover of people, so down to earth, so kind. And one day we were talking and I was just like picking her brain about one of a million topics that she's very well versed in. But something that she was telling me about is something called a food desert. And in different parts of tonight I'm talking about the United States, there's different communities that are food deserts where basically it's just really hard to get good healthy food. And it's actually really, it's a disservice to those communities. But people like Dr. Ann and her team are making a difference and bringing life to those communities and bringing education and getting different funding to bring great stores in those areas. But sometimes when someone can find themselves in a food desert, they might be surrounded by you know, places like Jack in the Box or Wendy's, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's your only diet, and that's the only time you see a vegetable is if you see like a tomato on a burger. It's real, it's so real. You have a whole generation that can grow up not understanding what like real whole food is. And it's not their fault. There's people like Dr. Ann that are gonna make, they're making a difference like even as I speak. But I say all that to say that as I was studying, I feel like we're in a culture desert. I feel like because we're not drawing from the right well as God's daughters, we are mistaking things and calling things fruit and nourishment that are not nourishing our souls. So just like you can have a young child, not their fault, in a food desert and not know what kale is or know what romaine lettuce is, we have God's daughters walking around not knowing what a man of God is thinking somebody that's bringing jack-in-the-box game is God's best. And God is like, girl, I got a kale, brother, for you. Why are you dealing with this jack-in-the-box? But it's because 
You've been in a food desert, so you're recognizing it and you're like, oh, it's normal to, to be bloated after I eat. Oh, I'm just gonna add a bunch of sauces on him and I'm just gonna like turn him into something that is gonna be appetizing. But tonight, God is showing you that you deserve a kale type of man, a romaine lettuce. Like, God has the best for you, so you don't need any jack-in-the-box, no shade on jack-in-the-box. You need the real thing. You don't need fake food. But because we're in a desert culturally, we're naming things health that are not health. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense? And so it's important that we get our, go to the right source, which is Jesus, because he can quench our thirst. He can satisfy that hunger, that like yearning, that growling on the inside. Only Jesus can quench that. And we're doing the same thing sometimes in our relationships. You can be in a very healthy church, because we have lots of girls from other churches here, and shout out other churches. We're so glad you're here. Keep building your church and making it amazing. But you can be planted in a healthy church, but if you have a desert mindset, you can't even recognize it. You can have healthy friendships and relationships around you, but if you have a food desert mindset or just a deserted mindset, you could be rejecting community. We've had people tell us so often that they've come to church and not thought that the genuineness was real because they're not used to kindness because you've been in a desert. But God's love is real. It's as real as you and I are here standing in front of one another. His love is real, he is kind, he is compassionate, he is gracious, he is forgiving. And so tonight we want you to leave the desert and allow Jesus to quench that thirst. I love that she said to him, wow, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming back here to draw water. And I was reading that I was thinking that so many of us are going to wells that we're actually embarrassed about going to. Like, we don't want to go to those wells, but there's something drawing us to put our foundation, to put our focus, to put our strength, where we're just leaning onto these wells, and something's pulling us towards those wells, and some of us feel helpless, and some of us feel like, that's all I know. That's all I know to go to that well. That's all I know to go to that well where I'm being talked down to. That's all I know to go to that well where I'm being taken advantage of on my job. That's all I know to go to that well where I find myself in comparison and competing with other women. That's all that I know. But Jesus here tonight is saying that I have so much more for you. And that I wanna quench that thirst so that you don't have to keep wandering from desert to desert to desert. And I love that this woman, she wanted something better. She was tired. She was an outcast at that time, and it just, her life was getting old to her, and she was hungry for something more. And as Jesus was talking about that living water, she knew in her soul, in her spirit, that there was only something that Jesus could quench, because as we see, as we're gonna go through her story even more, you're going to see that she has a testimony. Man, go back, with, go with me to John 14, 16 through 18. So they're talking back and forth. She's saying, I don't wanna stay this way. I want something more. I don't wanna just stay thirsty. I want you to quench my thirst. And he's saying, daughter, I love you. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. You don't have to stay here by yourself. You don't have to be here in hiding. Some of you have been in hiding for too long. And Jesus is saying, it's time to come out of that hiding. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. You were loved. 
You are believed in. You are cherished. You are God's beautiful daughter, and do not forget it. Somebody needs to write that down, that you're loved and you're cherished. Verse John 4, 16 through 18. So they're having this exchange. They're talking at the well. He's reading her mail. He's speaking life to her. He's giving her that eternal life. This is what he said. Because she said, I don't want to thirst anymore. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Verse 17, she said, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. Verse 18, the fact is, you have five husbands. And then, yeah, he was like. (laughs) I love it. We can't hide from him. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. And she said, what you've said is quite true. (laughs) She's like, true, facts, facts, facts. (laughs) What I love about that exchange is Jesus was at her well. And I was thinking about the different wells that you find yourself in. A well of comparison, a well of disappointment, a well of depression, anxiety, pressure, tension. Whatever well you find yourself in, I think sometimes we believe the lie that we're by ourselves at the well. But just like Jesus sat at her well, He is sitting at your will. He is with you. He is locking eyes with you. He is saying, you don't have to drink this water. I have something that will satisfy you. I have something that will strengthen you. I have something that will quench you. You cannot settle anymore. I feel like God is saying, settle no more. Somebody say, settle no more. He's only he can satisfy you. John 4, 27 through 30. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out to the town and made their way toward him. When I read that word, leaving the water jar, it jumped out at me. And I did a quick little study and found out that water jars were very like precious commodities. So for her to leave her water jar meant that she was willing to leave something that felt comfortable, leave something that felt predictable. And I feel like tonight is saying, what water jar are you supposed to leave at the foot of the cross? What are you supposed to leave? What are you supposed to lay down? What have you been going to to be your source? And it could actually be something good but we just get it twisted when we idolize it over Jesus. Sometimes it's something good that we need to lay down. Sometimes it's something very toxic, but she left that thing. She left that symbol. She left that thing that was very costly to her. And we need to follow in her footsteps and ask ourselves, God, what water jar am I supposed to leave behind? John 4, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. She brought about revival because of her story. She was a woman. Men didn't even listen to women back then. Back then it took four women to testify before someone would believe it as fact. But her story, because they knew that she had five husbands and they knew she had a testimony, 
They were like, wait, Jesus spent time with her? Jesus talked to her? Who is this Jesus? Her story sparked revival. Your story can spark revival. I feel like some of us are despising what we've been through, feeling like it's wasteful, but God wants to take the pain that you have walked through and he wants to use it to help somebody rebuild their life. You're looking at it as pain and you're looking at it as why did I do that? What's wrong with me? And you're being critical on yourself. And God is saying, I can use your pain and I can turn it into a testimony that can spark revival all over the world. <clears throat> I can use the insecurity that you're facing and I can use it to speak life to a young girl who's dealing with insecurity. God can use your divorce and your past to give hope to other people who have walked through stuff. God can use what you've walked through with your family. He can use the hurt. He can use the humiliation. He can use it all for his glory. And so, yes, it's, I'm, I'm so sorry and heartbroken for anything that you're carrying or anything that was placed on you that you did not ask for. But sometimes, even in the midst of just life, because life is heavy and life comes at us, but when you decide to turn it on the enemy and say, you know what, this blow came to my family, this blow came to my life, this blow came to my childhood, I'm not gonna just stay and wallow in this pain. I'm actually gonna use this pain to kick the enemy right in the you know what. <laughs> yeah, right in the you know what. <laughs> he is defeated and he is a liar and he wants to cause you to thirst for the wrong things. But there's someone here and his name is Jesus and he can offer you something that can satisfy your soul. You can be single for one more year, five more years, but still be satisfied. You can be waiting to have a child because you have the desire to have a sweet little baby, but in your wait, you can be satisfied. You can be wanting to start this new business or turn your platform to a whole nother level, the influence that God has given you. You can be satisfied even while you wait. <clears throat> you can be satisfied even when your marriage isn't where you want it to be. Tell somebody you can be satisfied. How cute is this cup? It's from Amazon. So cute. I just feel so like sips tea. But we just need you to know, I feel like when God sees you and he sees you going to these different wells, he's not judging you, he's not condemning you, he's not embarrassed of you, he's not ashamed of you. He wants to grab you by the hand and say, I'm at the well with you, sweetheart. You don't have to settle, you don't have to stoop down. My passion for you will never fail you. My love for you will go to the ends of the earth. I'm not gonna give up on you. If you go back to the well that I, that I set you free from, you can still come back again and be redeemed. If you find yourself in a season where you're in patterns and just making mistake after mistake, he still loves you. He still sees you. He's still fighting for you. He is fighting for you, and as he fights for you, you're gonna get on the other side, and then God's gonna use you just like he used that woman to set the world on fire, to set the world on fire, to set the world on fire. We're gonna stand. We're gonna worship just a little bit more, and we're gonna sing this song, and it talks about 
calling on Jesus. Not calling on your husband, not calling on your kids, not calling on your friends, not calling on your business, not calling on your platform, not calling on your sickness, not calling on your depression, not calling upon your worry, but calling upon the name of Jesus. And it says as we call upon the name of Jesus, we will be saved. We'll be saved from the damage that the enemy has tried to pour over us. We'll be saved from sickness, from ridicule. We'll be saved from torment. We'll be saved from being so hard on ourselves. We'll be saved from comparison. We'll be saved from darkness. So tonight, this is heaven is in this room. We're gonna make our seats on the lawn, online and in this room, an altar all around the world. And we're gonna call upon the name of Jesus. And we're gonna ask him to quench our thirst. We're gonna ask him to help us fall more in love with him. We're gonna ask him to help us look to him, the author and finisher of our faith. We're gonna ask him for a breakthrough. We're gonna ask him for a miracle. We're gonna get our fight back. We're not gonna be bullied anymore. We're gonna learn to use our voice. We're gonna learn to call upon the name of